All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good, good Friday, everybody. It's it's a beautiful day to be listening to the Drop in the Gloves podcast. You better believe it. Thanks for joining us here. Tim's here. I'm here. Lots to talk about. Ten games, Tim, last night. Holy guacamole. There was a lot to recap. Thursday night football. The Buccaneers stink all of a sudden. And finally, Tom Brady and Giselle, Tim just told me, are finally just... Just getting a divorce. You know, much like the Jacob Chitron drama, are they a willy or won't we, willy or won't we, what's going to happen? It's like, just do it or don't. I don't understand. So I, I'm upset they're getting divorced. I don't think anybody should ever get divorced. I think it's a bad thing. But finally, he could focus on football because I just traded for him on my fantasy team. It's an old Buffalo Sabres fantasy league that's still kicking around. Matt Molson, Pat Coletta, some of the equipment guys, some of the other people involved in the team. It's, it's, it's a good league. We've been, I think, 10 years now. 10 years. Pat Coletta quit because I just took him to the cleaners on a trade one year. And he's like, I'm not doing it anymore. He and also del- he deleted social media, too. I wonder what's going on. Patty, he's very he's- emotional. It wouldn't surprise me if he said something sideways and he's going to get in trouble for it because he did no filter on that guy whatsoever. That or he's so upset about the trade, he just went into being a hermit. Oh, that was years ago, the trade. I gave him, who did I get from him? Kamara or something. I just said it just, psh, I won the championship. It was, it was a lopsided trade. It propelled me to two straight championships because we have keepers. Well, it was a beautiful thing. But he's back in the league. I wonder why he probably said something. Knowing Pat, zero filter, just like he played on the ice. Doesn't, no, no foresight at all. No I'm going to run this guy. Yeah. I don't care what's going to happen. I'm like, Pat, you're going to get me into three fights. You're going to break your neck, and you're probably not even going to make contact with the guy because he ran into the boards consistently four to five times every single game. The fans loved it. You'd see him, you'd see him wind up. There goes Patty, and it was just like you could see it coming. He's just like a bullseye on the guy he wants to hit. And you'd see him, and then the guy would just step to the side, and Pat would go, right into the boards and the fans would love it. Like, ah, I'm like, he didn't even hit, hit his target. Did he like not feel pain or what? Oh no. He, he has a very labored life now. 
Like he, he was always in the trainer's room, always laid up. His neck and back are completely shot right now. Every time I go back to Buffalo, I see him and he's just can't move very well. Can't I'm telling you, it takes a lot out of you. I, my hip, both hips gave out on me last night. I was just watching the football game because I only get to watch Thursday night football. So I was watching the game, sitting up on the couch. I went up to do something. Both hips just gave out. And I was just like, oh, I'm going down. <laughs> it was just like, Ugh. all right. How are you? How are you, Tim? Oh, I'm good. How? Oh, the Bruins last night. I, I, I don't even know where this is in the agenda, but we should just talk about it, get it out of the way. Cause I'm just all right. Well, yeah, let's talk joy. about it. Because you, you sent me a message saying Brad Marchand's returning. Yep. And I, at first, I didn't believe you. I said, there's no way. I thought you are going to just get me going because you drafted him for your fantasy team in hockey that we're in. I'm like, yeah, right. Lo and behold, Brad Marchand, how, how far ahead of schedule is this? So the target date was, uh, it, well, from the medical doctors, it was like early December. And then okay. their goal, their goal was Thanksgiving. That was like the target um, being, you know, a, just a, a veteran who knows his body and has come back from injury before. That was the goal. And then he, here he comes back before thank, for Halloween. And he did say, or Montgomery said that, this was always the plan. They wanted to keep the cards close and not set expectations. I think the thing with Marshawn was he's been feeling fine for a while, but with a hip injury, you have to give it time. Even if you feel fine, you can't rush that back. And so there was no timeline. All of a sudden, he announces yesterday he's playing. He played last night, two goals and an assist. Both power play goals looked really good. Almost had a hat trick on a wraparound. A great play by whatever defenseman that was. Yeah, the Bruins routed the wings. Five to one. I watched the whole thing. It was amazing. Marshawn and Pasternak combined for six points, like four power play points, both on my fantasy team. It was a good night. I feel good. So with the Bruins start, how much of it is legit and how much of it is just smoke and mirrors where you think this is a good team, but when you go back and you look at who they beat, Washington Capitals, Arizona Coyotes, one good win versus the Florida Panthers, a loss to the Senators. They beat the Anaheim Ducks. They beat the Minnesota Wild. A good win versus the Stars, and then you beat Detroit. A lot of bad teams wrapped up in there, but much like we'll discuss with the Toronto Maple Leafs a little later on in the show, you're supposed to win. You know, you got to win the games you're supposed to win, and the Bruins are doing that. They're beating the, the good teams where it's, it's supposed to be a, a tough matchup. Is this smoke and mirrors? Are the Bruins for real? We talked about this last show. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Tim, it's hard to ignore their start. They're seven and one. They're getting production from all over the lineup, not just the first line. The goaltenders are playing well. Swayman obviously had that one hiccup game versus Ottawa, but he's playing all right. Allmark's playing fantastic. The defense is playing great. They're scoring goals. What is going on in Boston? Are, are they a legit team now? They're first place in the Atlantic by a by a landslide, by five points, and they've only played eight games. So it's it's a fantastic start for them. Yeah, I I think it's legit. The only part that does, makes me a little nervous that I think could be smoke and mirrors is how strong Linus Almark is playing. He's playing way above his career averages right now. I have it in front of me. His career averages 2.67 goals against, 9.14 save percentage. This year... He's got 936 and 2.01. That's a lot better. And if you look at all the last three seasons, it's basically his career average every single year, almost to the number. So I think there's going to be a little bit of regression here, unless this is a major breakout season for him at age whatever, 28 he is, uh, 29. 
But that said, even if he does regress a little bit, Swayman is just as good, if not better than him, I think, over the course of a full season. The expectations are there for him. So even if he struggles, they'll still be very good between the pipes. So, yeah, I think they're a legit threat right now. I don't think what you're seeing is smoke and mirrors at all. Another thing is they played six games at home. They're hard to beat at home. You know, they've won all six. They're going to go on the road. It's a difficult... Playing on the road is a lot more difficult than being at home. Your creature comforts, your schedule, everything is all jacked out of place. You're you're traveling, obviously. So we'll see. I think they're a good team. Do I think this will last? I do. I really do. I like their team. Marshawn coming back early is a huge boon for them. What's the the status on uh, Charlie McAvoy? Do you know anything there? Uh, I don't think there's a timetable yet. It was always been December, so I think by the end of the year. Of the calendar year, yeah. All right, so he's he's right around the corner as well. Gosh, the Boston Bruins, and it just get, it gets me thinking. To start this NHL season, you know, you, you have an idea of how it's going to go. You have an idea who the contenders are going to be, who the pretenders are be. And, and you just, like we do every year, you, you pick the Stanley Cup, the division champions, this and that. I'm way off. On my rankings so far, I thought the Rangers were going to be good. I thought Toronto was going to fly through the season. I thought Colorado and St. Louis and Minnesota were going to be the top of the central. I thought Calgary and Edmonton were going to be the class of the Pacific Division. I know we're eight games into the season. Some of us have played more. San Jose has already played ten. The four teams leading each division, I, I would not have guessed they'd be, well, maybe the top three for the Pacific Division team. But leading the Pacific is Vegas. Dallas is in first in the Central. Boston, the Atlantic, in the Metropolitan, Philadelphia, Tim, is in first place in that division. Uh, Makes sense of it to me because Philly has no reason winning the way they're winning. I, I get Boston potentially a little bit, but even them is nuts. What's going on in Colorado? What's going on with St. Louis? What's going on with Minnesota? And then Edmonton. I know Calgary will eventually overtake Vegas, but Edmonton is just struggling this year for the talent they have in that junky division. I'm shocked. Are you shocked by the early season success of these teams? A lot of them. I think Philadelphia is the clear like outlier there. Um, and you know, five and two. We're not totally surprised because we did say like you know they'll have a little bit of a hot start with Tortorella and the guys will play. And Carter Hart, by the way, forty eight saves last yeah. night. He looks really good. And I didn't really think about this, but the impact that a coach has like Tortorella on a goalie like that, where the guys are going to be blocking shots and getting in lanes and chipping it out and just doing the extra little things, which really makes a huge difference for a goaltender and especially one you know who has been inconsistent, struggling with confidence a little bit. And so he's been looking really good. So I think if you look around, like that's the clearest surprise. I, I don't think the other teams are necessarily as surprising. We talked about Boston, Vegas, and, and Dallas. I think it may be overreaching a little bit. But those the top three in, in, each, in the Pacific are pretty much what we'd expect them to be. And top three in the Central are not quite what we expect them to be because Chicago keeps winning. They won four in a row. I think they lost last night, but they look really good. So out of these four... Which one do you think has the most legs? Who's who's going to keep that top spot coming to the end of the season? Is it going to be Dallas, Vegas? Is it going to be the Bruins, Philly? I think Philly obviously will have a fall yeah. off like you just mentioned. But what are the other three? Boston, Vegas, or Dallas is the best chance of just holding that spot? To- I mean, am I a homer if I pick Boston? I, uh, if, I, if I don't pick Boston, I would say Vegas is the team. Um, they look really good. And they their goaltending, what a surprise they've been. 
Like I, it's been a revelation. And and yeah. I don't think this is getting a lot of ink. You mentioned the Bruins. You mentioned, you know, the way teams play, the way you have to change your, your game plan. Bruce Cassidy goes to Vegas. Very quiet signing. You know, he, I think more was said about him leaving Boston, the reason for him leaving Boston. Obviously, oh, Krejci is coming back. Postanak all of a sudden wants to stay in Boston. DeBrusque is happy. Now everybody hated Bruce Cassidy. Signs in Vegas. Very quiet signing. He goes there. Everyone expects Vegas to struggle again for the most part. They had a just awful season last, last year. Everybody knows all the issues they had. They lose their best. They're, they're goaltending. He's done for the season. What's going to happen with Vegas? They have completely transformed this team. When they came in, when they were an expansion team, they were exciting. They were fast. They were energetic. They were scoring goals. They were up and down the ice. They were a band of misfits. And it... They were a goal-scoring team. That was their motto. That's what they did. All of a sudden, Bruce Cassidy comes in. He transforms this team. They are first place in the Pacific Division. They're giving up an average of two goals a game. That's pretty good. You play in today's NHL, you give up two goals a game, you're going to win a lot of hockey, and they are. And I love what they're doing. They're not running and gunning. They're not running up and down the ice. And they have the horses for it. When you look at their roster, they can score goals if they want to. They can, they can play that type of game. When you have Eichel and Stone and Marsha Stowe and Carlson and even the guys in the back end, the Martinez, the Theodores, those guys, the Peter Angelos, we know what they can do on the offensive side. But I think coming into this season, everybody understood, okay, we don't have Robin Lehner. That guy, if he's on his game, he can win his hockey games. He can, he can make up for a lot of mistakes in the back end. All of a sudden, you don't have him. You trade for Aiden Hill. You got Logan Thompson, who's a rookie. Not a strong goaltending duo. But we got to change the way we, we play. Bruce Cassidy comes in. More emphasis is placed on the D zone. They're not extending themselves in the offensive zone very much. They're not being as aggressive on the forecheck. You're having a centerman back. The wingers are playing more passive. And you have good defensemen. Peter Angelo, Martinez, Theodore, Braden McNabb, Zach Whitecloud, Haggy is good. You got Ben Hutton as a seventh guy. You have a really good decor if you wanted to play defense, and that's what they're doing. They're beating good hockey teams, and they're beating them one nothing, two one, three two, four one. Is this the best iteration of the Vegas Golden Knights that we've seen now? Now that they transitioned their their type of play. We saw what they could do when they were just running and gunning. When they had Peter Angelo, when you had Stone, you had Carlson, Marshall Stone, and they were just flying up and down the ice. You had Tuck. It was exciting. It was fun to watch. Everybody got behind them. They could do that because they had Marc-Andre Fleury. They had Robin Leonard. They knew if they made a mistake, gave up a three-on-two, two-on-one, more likely than not, those guys were going to bail them out. Can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. You don't have that luxury. All of a sudden, they're playing a little more responsible. They're playing a little more maybe passive, some would say. They're winning games in a different way. Is this the best Vegas Golden Knights team that we've seen in their brief, what are they, been in the league, what, eight years now? Is this the best team they've we've got for the Vegas Golden Knights, Tim? Uh, that's hard to say. They went to the yeah. Stanley Cup final, you know what I mean? Like that, that was a really good team, but that was also one of those – just aberration stories, everything just aligned in the stars for them. And I don't know that that team was necessarily better than this one. But I have a hard time saying this is the best team when even though all the, despite all the things you said, you still went from having Fleury and Laner in net to having Thompson and Aiden Hill. And they're both playing very good through three and five games each. But 
that I don't know. It's hard to buy into that over the course of a long season. You got to think that at some point that's going to level out. I don't know. You know, just looking at this team, I think just based on chance to win the Stanley Cup, I like this team. I really do. Their highest point total is seven points, and they played eight games. I I should go back. I should have gone back and looked at the first three years, four years, five years when they were making the cup final after eight games. What was their point total? I bet you it was 14. A bunch of guys had 10. They were scoring at will. Now they've, you know, they've reined it in. The beautiful thing is once they learn how to play this solid defense and this system and everything gets sunk in and it becomes second nature, then you start building the offense on that. Then you start scoring more goals. Then you become a really dangerous team where you can still be responsible defensively and then go out and score goals. The Bruins, we saw that when they were flying and they were a really good team. Yes, they didn't win the Stanley Cups, but they were really good at that where they didn't sacrifice defensively and they'd still go out and throw five on the board. We saw that. But then conversely, you see the Florida Panthers of last year go all in offensively. Then you hit the playoffs and it's like, okay, it's a different game in the playoffs. You have to know how to play playoff hockey Regular season hockey doesn't translate to the playoffs. Florida Panthers, maybe they figure that out for this year, but you have to learn that lesson. I like this team for the Vegas Golden Knights. I really do. I I would not want to play them in the playoffs. The way they're made up right now, the way they play versus the team that made the Stanley Cup Finals, what was that, three years ago now, two years ago now? I feel like this team is more suited to, to just go into the playoffs and be a really, really hard out. But yeah, I don't know. They're, they're a surprising team to me so far. How happy is Jack Eichel to be playing where he doesn't have all that pressure to be that guy and create offense by himself, where he's surrounded by Marcheseau and Stevenson and Stone and Carlson and Smith, and you got guys like Theodore and, and Petrangelo on the back end, and an experienced coach who's got a really good system working up front. Like, that, he's got to be thriving. He's got seven points in eight games this year. I predicted him and Sagan to combine for 75 goals this year. I don't know how many Sagan has, but they both look really good so far this year. 75 goals you combined for them. Yep. There's no way they get 75 goals. Not a chance. Well, it was a bold prediction. But, yeah, like 30 or 40 each, yeah. They could do Sagan's it. got two. Eichel's got three, I believe. So we're off to a slow start. <laughs> and then I know I don't think – I guess Robertson bucks that trend. Dallas just doesn't score many goals. So that was a bold prediction just because, gosh. Anyway, sorry, moving on. We finally got some good news out West. The Vancouver Canucks. I've been picking them on BetUS to win for the last week. I'm, I just keep thinking they're going to get off the schneid. They're going to get off the schneid. They're going to get off the schneid. And I tell you what. What does why, that mean? I, I, You've been saying that lately. Yeah. I don't it's a know. new thing. What's a schneid? Google a schneid. What's it saying? Off the schneid. What does it mean? I'm sorry. A player or team is said to be on the schneid, have a losing streak, or off the schneid, winning again. That's that's right from the Wikitor Wiktionary. That's yeah. You nailed it. Schneid. See. Okay. I know what I know what it means. But if anybody actually knows what a schneid is, can't be a good thing because you got to get off of it. But anyways. The Canucks are just off the schneid. They're back to the winning ways. It was interesting how they did it. Fights, Tim. Who would have thought getting into a couple fights, showing some emotion would spur you to victory? That's strange, isn't it? We want fighting out of the game. I don't want to make this about me. You go back 
and you look at all the games where I fought, we won 80% of those games. Boom. Fact. You go back to all the games I played. I think someone did that for San Jose, one of the beat reporters, Brody Brazil. We were that. garbage. We were, we were a bad hockey team. I think we won like 30 games out of 82. It was a bad hockey game. I only played in some like 36 games. I think it was like 22 eight and four. I don't know if that adds up, but I had a great record in San Jose. They should have played me more, Tim. Should have got more ice. I, you know what? <laughs> Play me 82 games. We win Stanley Cup every single year. But enough about me. Back to <laughs> Vancouver. They're off the schneid. JT Miller, friend of the show, fight three minute in. Set, sends, sets the tone. I'm sick of this. I'm going to fight Cart. Who would you do fight? Susie? Yep. Yep. What a great night last night. Susie wins the fight. Spurs the boys on to victory. Are they? Have they turned the corner, Tim? Is it? Is this? Is this? A, is this a sign where they're just going to straight to the moon, Alice? Oh, I don't know about that. I do love like you. Your star player gets a fight and probably his first or second shift of the game. You know he's setting the tone for the entire evening. And I would have been. I would not have been surprised that they won that game. So yeah, I, I like that move. He also blocked the shot in the final second. That I think he took off the inside of the ankle or something, and he was down. He was he was down, and he had to be helped off the ice. And that's what it takes to win. You know that could that one could have gone in. They have Pittsburgh tonight. It's at home, but that's not a, that's not an easy matchup. So I don't know if this is a turning point, but. It's certainly a step in the right direction for this team that has something to finally be happy about. Yeah, they're still going to lose a bunch, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's good to it's good to get a win. You know, if what was that game eight for them? Game nine? Probably. It was a it was yeah. a long time coming, but yes, good for them. They get a win. You know who didn't get a win? The stinking Minnesota or Maple Leafs. What the hell's going on with them? I, I can't wrap my head around this team. I don't want to spend too much time on them as well, just because we talk about them all the time. But I did a 10-team parlay last night. I love doing those little parlays. I throw a little bit of money on each game, not a lot, and then I do a parlay. If I were to hit every game, I'm winning $13,000. The Leafs ruined it. They ruined it. They lost in overtime to the stinking San Jose Sharks. Love the Sharks. The Leafs have no business losing this game. And this is the issue that I have with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're a good hockey team. They beat Dallas. They beat Washington. You beat a good Ottawa team. You beat Winnipeg. Their losses are versus Montreal, Arizona, and San Jose. What do we do in Toronto? You should be 7-1. and one. You're 4-3-1. You're four, you're four, it's ridiculous. This is... The epitome of a bad team. We just talked about the Bruins being able to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. If you can't show up to a Sharks game or a Coyotes game or a first game of the season versus the Montreal Canadiens and wax those teams that you have exponentially more talent than, what what are we doing here? That's the definition of being a professional. It's easy to get up on Hockey Night in Canada when you're playing Dallas or you're playing Washington or you're playing Winnipeg, you know, they're, they're rivals, Ottawa. If you can't get up for a San Jose game or an Arizona game, I get it. It's hard. It's not fun. You have to do it. These are the two points that are going to be so – it's going to be drastic. You watch late in the season. They're going to be in a battle for that one playoff spot so they don't have to match up with Tampa Bay again or Boston again, and they're wishing they were winning these games. Doesn't it drive you nuts? Because it drives me nuts, Tim. Not just because they ruined my parlay, 
But you have no business losing to the San Jose Sharks or the Arizona Coyotes. I was thinking about that last night. Even if the Bruins, you know, do come down a little bit, like these points in the early in the season are so important, and they're going to be so happy they got them. And Toronto's missing out on some important points, and they'll still be there at the end. But yeah, that could affect their standings, their first round matchups, all of that. So yeah, I don't know. Like anything could happen in one game. You know, like any team can beat any team on any given night. But this is clearly a trend that's happening where they're not they're not showing up against the worst teams, and that's not a, a sign of like a. A confident, healthy team. Again, small sample size. I don't want to overreact, but yeah, if this continues, they clearly have a problem. No, it, it's it's the sign of a bad team. That's what it is. A good team beats teams that are worse than them. That's <laughs> that. That's it. Like a bad team, a team that's just not focused, loses these games. These are easy points that they're just letting fly out the window. Yes, I know they lost in overtime. But something has to be done. Mitch Marner's not playing very well. Austin Matthews, I'll say it, is not playing very well. Yes, they have seven points in eight games. They only have seven points in eight games. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for those two guys. Johnny Tavares, we know how good he is. There needs some urgency in Toronto. Maybe they're just waiting for the playoffs. Maybe they haven't flipped the switch. Whatever it is, something seems off in Toronto. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They don't they don't play to their potential every shift, let alone every game. Cause even last night versus San Jose, there were shifts where I was like, man, these guys are good. They're really good. But if you watch a whole 60 minute game, San Jose was a better team. They had more chances. They had more zone times. They had more shots. It, it was San Jose's game and they won it. it. It should not be that way. When you can ice a team with Tavares, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Riley, Bunting, Kerfoot, Robertson, Sandin, all these stars, and you look across the way and you got the San Jose Sharks who we talk about all the time how bad they are and the cap hell they're in and this and that and the dysfunctionality and the goaltenders and what do we do in Toronto? So it, it makes me nervous. You know what doesn't make me nervous is my bold prediction to start the season. Eric Carlson will be a what? He'll lead the team in points and be top five in defense, but I can't remember what I said. Don't look now. He got game-winning goal, two assists last night. Did you see his game-winning goal? No. Three on three breakaway. Oh, Make make Eric made Carl Carl Call Green. Call Green. Yeah. Looks silly. It was an go look at this goal. I know it was late. You're asleep and you gotta get your twelve hours in. It was a beautiful goal. It was a kind of a turnover in front of the net. The San Jose guy who was it? Timo Meyer gives it to Carlson for a breakaway. Yeah, I'm watching. Say now. what you will about oh. Carlson. He's got jets. He has absolute wheels. Oh. He caught Willie Nylander earlier in that overtime period for a breakaway. Picks up the puck again. He's gone. A beautiful goal. Fakes that was back a pretty goal. Back yeah. to forehand. Roofs it. Beautiful goal. The guy's got three points last game. I think he's obviously leads his team. I don't know where he stands as far as the total NHL and defense points. He's got to be leading the D in points in the NHL. And it just got me thinking. You're like, if if you're sitting there, if you're the San Jose Sharks GM, you're like, where was this three years ago? Where was this Eric Carlson? When when we were a Stanley Cup contender, what what happened? No, he, he's right behind Rosmus Dahlin. They both have nine points. So, they, yeah, he's tied for the league, league in points for defensemen. But is this too little too late for Eric Carlson, or is this a good thing for San Jose where they can hopefully get out from under his contract if he continues to get points and you can trade this guy because you're not winning anything in San Jose in the next two, three, four years? Or is this just like, uh, why weren't you doing this four years Ooh. ago? Who was it that we had on 
it was a defenseman. Was it Pronger? Where we asked him about why it doesn't work with Burns it's and Carlson. Pronger, yeah. And what did he say? They said it's just basically they both need the puck. They both yep. need the ice. And too many cooks in the kitchen. They, yeah, they're, they're both too selfish. They they can't work well with each other. And that's that's what he said. And I'm going to believe Chris Pronger when when he lays down some knowledge like that. But it, I think it's showing to be true right now. You're giving Eric Carlson a little more responsibility. He's playing with Jacob Magna who I don't think is a puck-moving, swift-foot defenseman. If I were to guess, he's a stay-at-home type. And all of a sudden, Carlson, he's the number one guy in the power play. He's the number one guy on the ice. He's joining the rush. He's leading the team in points. He's leading all defensemen in the NHL in points. Uh, mind you, he's played 10 games. But, hey, is he? It, it's nice to see. We've given him a hard time for the last two years, three years. But it's, it's good to see him being back because – Man, when he was with Ottawa, best best there is. Yeah, it's a redemption tour season. You got him, you got Eichel, you got Sagan, guys that have been taking some reputation hits the last couple of years. All of a sudden, they're all playing well so far. You think so? Which one of those guys, Eichel, Sagan, and Carlson, at the end of the year has the best season? But, well, how do you compare a best season with forward and defenseman? Who's got the most points? Uh, I think I think the both forwards will have more points than Carlson. No, Carlson has more than Sagan. If they're healthy, then yeah. No, if all play eighty-two games, you think Carlson has less points than Sagan? Yes. No, no. Carlson Sagan will have like sixty, sixty-five. Carlson will end up with like high forties, maybe. That is less. You're right. But I, I think Carlson gets 65, 70 points. I really do. But good for the Sharks. They beat those just Leafs. Ruining ruining my parlay when I'm in a bad mood. You guys know what I do. DoorDash. I almost did it last yesterday because I had no crackers for my soup. And I was this close to firing <laughs> up DoorDash. And who, who eats soup with no crackers? I felt like an animal. But use DoorDash, check it out. Get Use our promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the US of A, GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. Even if you just want a cra- just a sleeve of Ritz crackers, they'll go and buy you that and they'll bring it to your door. They'll bring it to your office, wherever you're at. They're a great company. Tim uses them. I use them. I'm sure you use them too. But I just want to reemphasize for all our new listeners, DoorDash is the best. They're fantastic. If you use our promo code, you get 25% off. You get free delivery. It's a deal of a deal, and you're getting good stuff for a good price, and you're getting it fast. DoorDash, they they specifically tell their drivers to break the law. Go fast, run red lights, fast and reckless. Get the food to the customer. I don't care how you do it. So use DoorDash. Tell them we sent you a promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada, GLOVESDDUS if you're in the U.S. of A. And thank me when you're nice and full because of DoorDash. All right, Tim. What is this thing on the agenda that says Sherry Ann tweet? What are we doing here? This is our we started she started a new segment, a tweet of the day, tweet of the month. I like that. Yeah, I listen to a few shows and it's always like our tweet of the week or tweet of the day. We should. I like it. Yeah, because someone named Sherry Ann has some beef with you and she's clearly a lightning fan. There are two tweets both this morning. The first one, she says, I'm a devout listener of your pod, and I was shocked, capital letters, shocked, when you said Tampa is no longer the best team in the state and they won't make the playoffs. Did you see either of the two games between the two this season? FYI, Tampa Bay won both. Get ready to eat your words. Ooh, Sherry. That's number one. Sherry Ann coming in hot. Number two, in your most recent pod, you said Stamkos, this is like 20 minutes apart, by the way. 
You said Stamkos is a little, quote-unquote, better than Besser. Are you kidding me? John, you have something against Tampa, no doubt. And you know what? I agree with her. I think Stamkos is a lot better than Besser, and I still think they're a better team than Florida. So, Sherry Ann, you and I, we're on the same page there. Sherry Ann, you're a liar. Um, they played <laughs> once this year, and Tampa Bay won in overtime. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's that far-fetched to call Florida a better team right now when you look at the standings. I, I think Florida is ahead of Tampa Bay. And the reason I say Tampa Bay, and I know it's a bold prediction to say they're not going to make the playoffs. I get that. But when you look at this division and you look at this this conference, the Eastern Conference is very strong, very, very strong. And when you look at this division in particular, the Bruins are off to a fantastic start. I don't see that slowing down. Florida was the President's Trophy winner last year. They will be in the mix. We know how good Toronto is. Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit are being feisty, feisty, feisty teams. They're a hard out every single night. Where does Tampa slot into that? Not their greatest start. I know they're four and four. They're not playing well. They're giving up a lot of goals. They're playing terrible defensively. When you look at how many goals they've given up versus the rest of the league, they're in the same category as the Capitals, the Rangers, who have just been playing terrible with the Florida Panthers, who are not known for defensive hockey. So it just makes me nervous, Sherry Ann. Sure, they'll be in the mix at the end of the season, but just based on how strong this Eastern Conference is, it would not surprise me if you get five teams in the Metropolitan. It wouldn't. You got the Rangers. They're going to be there. Carolina's going to be there. Pittsburgh's having a great start. Throw in how good Philadelphia's been playing. Then you got New Jersey. You got the Islanders. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I would like to say Tampa has a they're, – they're very – listen, they made this Stanley Cup Finals three years in a row. They won two of them. I know they're a good team. But I'm paid to say things to get people thinking. That's what I do. And the way they've started right now, Sherry Ann, they're in seventh place. That's all I'm saying. And they haven't played two games versus Florida, Sherry Ann. The last game was the last game of the preseason. And they don't play anybody, any starters in the last game of the preseason, Sherry Ann. Stop with that. Thank you for the tweet, though. <laughs> okay, you mentioned the Rangers. You said they'll be back. They have not looked good since the start of the season. And if my math is correct, they have one win in their last six games. They got shut up by the Islanders. They lost to Colorado. They lost to the Blue Jackets 5-1. to They lost to the Sharks. They beat Anaheim. They lost to Winnipeg before that. This is not a team that's looking very good. They're they're like bottom of the Eastern Conference ahead of maybe only two teams. What's going on with them? Do you, do you, are you worried about them yet? But they beat Tampa Bay. Hmm. So they're good, Sherry. You know, um, you know, no, I'm not. As much as I'm worried about Tampa Bay, I feel like the Rangers will will get their act together. They started the season three and one. They've been struggling as of late, but I, I'm just not worried. They've been playing good team. The Islanders are a good team. They lose to Colorado in a shootout, so uh, it was a back to back. You know, I thought they would come back and have a little better effort, but Sororkin played well. The Islanders win, but I, I'm not I'm not too worried about them. They're playing a lot of good teams early on. Their their schedule softens up, hopefully, and they'll, they'll get some easy games. But like I said, the Eastern Conference is tough. You, every every single night, you're you're playing a very very good team. It's not like out west where you get a couple cupcakes unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you just lose those games as well. But no, they're a young team. They got good defense. They got a strong goaltender. I think they'll figure it out. 
yeah, it, it's not a great start for the New York Rangers. I don't know. Moving on, Tim. You know what else is embarrassing? The Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> I don't want to dump on them too much because I'm going to put a little asterisk beside this. All the dressing room drama, it's only for the first four games there at that mullet arena. After that, they're going to have this beautiful setup next door. It's called the Annex, and everything's going to be right in the world. But they are just getting dumped on for the last couple of days because they did a little sneak peek of their dressing room, the visitor's dressing room. Is this getting blown out of proportion, the whole dressing room drama, Tim? I don't know. I'm looking at a picture right now of what it looks like, and it's like a looks like a big warehouse with four curtains in the middle. That's the visitor's chairs. dressing room. Yeah, and it's just... Uh, this is the National Hockey League, John. You know better than anyone the amenities you expect. And I get it's temporary. And these are extenuating circumstances, whatever. But this is the National Hockey League. This is a million-dollar corporation. Like, you, you got to figure it out. I don't understand that. And then they're playing tonight, their first game at Mullet Arena, 4,700 fans at seats. Are they going to sell out? Is that building well, going to be yeah. rocking or what? They're, they'll sell out, but they... This should sell out every game. What bothers me is I read an article about, you know, pumping up this whole home opener. It's going to be great. Everybody's just saying how it's going to be so the atmosphere is going to be great. And it's a good thing for our team. It is not a good thing that you are playing at a 4,700 seat arena and you're giving away 300 seats to the band and student section for free. (laughs) It's not a good thing, but I guess you got to make the best of a bad situation. I get that. And I'm okay with this. The dressing rooms are fine. NHL players make do. There's a lot of bad visitor dressing rooms in the NHL that are way worse than what I saw the Arizona Coyotes put up. Flames. Their visitor's dressing room is atrocious. The Islanders, even at the Barclays Center, was bad. There's some bad dressing rooms out there. The issue that I have is what is the plan for the next four years? They have a three-year lease at this arena, I think, with an option for a fourth. There might be two with an option for a third. They're still in limbo. There's still this unknown of, are we even going to build this rink? They have to get through the Tempe um, Association, the city council. Then they got to get through this and that and that. There's been nothing but red flags surrounding this arena for years now. Even when they first broached it when I was back in Arizona, they were talking, we got to get downtown. We got to get to Phoenix or Tempe. No one wants them there. Nobody does. So if you think the city's just going to allot a couple hundred million dollars and give it to you to build an arena, I don't see it happening. I don't know. I, I, I just don't see a way out for this. I don't see this ever happening. And even if they do get a shovel in the ground tomorrow, they're still two, three years away from playing in an NHL-style arena. So they better get used to this mullet arena. They're going to be here for the next three, four, five, six years. Because if I know anything in Arizona, it takes a long time because they don't want the team there. They don't. It's a baseball town. It's a basketball town. It's a football town. It's not a hockey town. They have a hard time filling up the baseball diamond. And it's you're in Arizona. It's just not a sports town in general. There's a lot of snowbirds go down there. I know that's how they get a lot of their attendance, but most part, it's just a laid-back Arizona Scottsdale community that doesn't really watch sports that much. Yeah, I know, it kind of, but it's it's not a sports town compared to all the other NHL towns around uh, North America. You'll probably get some more tweets about that. People disagree with you. One of the things, well, yeah, but no, there's sports fans there. But if you compare Arizona to even a Dallas, I feel like Dallas is a sports town. 
You know what I mean? The people get jacked up for the Cowboys. They get jacked up for the Mavericks. It's a sports town. Arizona doesn't have that same passion. Small parts of it, they do. If anything, it's a college sports town. They like their college, you know, athletics. I I don't know. I played there. I think I know a little bit, but we went to a Diamondbacks game. They were really good. and There was no one in the stadium. It was just even the Suns. They go to the like they, they got a fantastic team and they can't sell that arena out and they got they got one of the best teams in the whole league. I don't know. Why not play at the AHL arena in Tucson? I don't know. Why isn't that a better option? Why why am I the do I own the team? I don't know. <laughs> is there like but is there some like bargaining reason you can't do that or some rule? Like it seems like that would be way better. You would think I have no idea. Yeah. They 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 don't they don't like good ideas in Arizona. It's just <laughs> like, Batman. let's go play in Glendale. They're going to give us a good deal. It's 45 minutes outside the city. It's a nightmare to get there through traffic at 5 p.m. No one wants to get off work, sit in traffic for 45 minutes to an hour, get to the game, and then sit in traffic for an hour back to go home. It's a complete – it was a terrible – I'm glad they're out of there. But they wasted 15 years out there and ruined the start of a franchise. You see Ottawa struggling with that too. No one wants to drive to Canada. From Ottawa. It's it's a long drive, middle of nowhere. There's no restaurants. There's no anything out in that area. It's just owners think that you can just build a rink and then all of a sudden the town's going to sprout up because of all the action. No. like they, they You play there 40, 41 games a year. You have maybe a handful of concerts, maybe 50. And then it sits vacant for 250 nights. Like, what do you expect? They even put the football stadium out there for Pete's sake and it didn't like Arizona has a little bit better of a setup, but gosh, and the, the centers. Uh, I don't know, Tim. I'm not a town planner. I, I wish I was. I wish I could go in there and say, don't do that. And yes, I know it's cheaper and there's there's reasons. There's red tape, but stupid Batman. Why even bother? We're going to grow the game in the South. It's really working out for you. The players are paying 20% escrow. It's all because of these dumb teams in the South. Keep it North above the Mason Dixon line. That's who likes hockey. There's no one clamoring for a hockey game in Dallas or Tampa Bay or Florida or Nashville or Carolina. There's no one who ever says, yeah, we should put a hockey team here. No, we've jammed it down their throats and we're trying to make it work. But every team, when you look at the HRR at the end of the season, who are the bottom 10? All teams in the South. All it's, it's not Minnesota. It's not the Rangers. It's not the Islanders. It's not. It's not any of the teams in the Northeast. Stupid Gary. I get you want to have a you know get everybody, get everybody on board in the whole you know, and then we end up now the NHL is is less popular than MLS soccer. Just stay where you're. You know, stay in your comfort zone. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Put eight teams in Canada. Put twenty two teams above the Mason Dixon line. And you'll be fine. Don't try to expand. I get every well, we're gonna have a World Series. Stupid idea. We're gonna play a game in Australia. Stupid idea. Go to the places that like hockey and put teams in those places. I bet you'll be successful. If you look at the growth of hockey compared to every other sport, it's embarrassing the minute, minuscule growth rate that NHL has. It's because they try to get too big. Shrink your market and your profits will just expand. But no, we got to grow the game down south. Let's play a game in Mexico. Dumb. Stupid. All right. 
Sorry. That's the upsets. <laughs> it upsets me because hockey's such a great sport and it can work so well, but they just they sabotage themselves by just trying to just we're not the NBA. We're not the NFL. We're not the Major League Baseball. We we're not America's pastime. There should be more teams in Canada. There should. I don't know. All right. What do you want to do now? Let's let's bet some money. I got a vent. Let's throw some money on the line. Come on, baby. What are we doing? Tonight? Yeah, I got a simple one tonight. Not a ton of games. I think there's six games tonight. I'm going to go with the Penguins and Canucks over. I like the overs club. I'm going to stick with that. I like them to go over tonight. They lost last. They won last night. They had the first win. I see this being a little bit of a barn burner, so I'm taking the over. That's all. You're going one game. You're taking the over. Yeah, I got to go smaller. I keep losing. <laughs> That's all you're doing. Keep... One game over? Yes. Tim. I'm going to get back in the win column before I make these big bets. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of easy pick em games right now. So I'm I don't doing like the a, games tonight. There, but it, there's a lot of tap-in wins. So what you okay. do with a tap-in win, you parlay them together and throw a big bet down, and you win big. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm taking Vegas over Anaheim. I'm taking the Avalanche over the New Jersey Devils. I'm taking the Bruins over the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm taking the Penguins over the Canucks. And I'm taking the Jets over the Coyotes. I'm not going to touch the Hurricanes and Islanders because they're both they're good teams. And either one of those teams can put together just a fantastic effort any given night. So I'm just going to leave that one alone. I'm taking those other five. I'm going to do what I do. Put a small bet on each one, just straight up, maybe $10, $15. Then I'm going to hammer the parlay. Because the odds are incredible, and I'm going to show up on Monday. I'm just going to be making it rain on your face, Tim, because I'm going to win, and you're going to be going, oh, I won $4 on my $5 bet on that one. <laughs> That's what I'm going with, because I like to win bold at BetUSA, and plus I'm playing with house money. You know why? Because if you sign up today, and I signed up a couple weeks ago, but I still got this deal, you get 125% deposit bonus. So I'm playing with house money. I signed up with an un, unknown amount. I'm not going to let you guys know how much I signed up for. It's none of your business. But a max of $2,000, and you get 125% bonus on that. So you do the math. If you sign up for 100 you get 125 If you sign up for 1000 you get 1250 you sign up for 2000 what do you get, Tim? 2500 Boom. Free money to play with. You're playing with house money. Go sign up with BetUS. Don't even tell them we sent you. I don't even care. Just go sign up. Get this first action. It's fun. Tim loves losing. I love winning. See what you can do. Bet you less. Check it out. Right, Tim? That's right. That's right. I'll post our uh, our bets out there to put hold us hold us accountable. You know, it's about accountability, transparency, and oh, hold me accountable. Yeah, all those all those buzzwords that businesses use. Synergy, <laughs> synergy, synergy, transformative. It's good. That's our podcast. We are transformative. That being said, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you do, go throw us a like or a thumbs up. I hope you have a good weekend. Get It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. Get out there. Enjoy the fall colors. Unless you're in the south, go 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 do some stuff in the sun. Go swimming. I don't care. No, it's want. cold. There's fall colors down here, too. Yeah, Not but we Florida. have listeners in Mexico. That's true. So they, they can I thought you were talking to me. No, it's all about me, John. It is all about you. All right. Hey, by the way, we ended last episode with you calling me an idiot, and I got a nice message saying, hey, Tim, I just listened. You're not an idiot. You should know that. And nah, Deirdre. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was my mom. That's yeah, nice. No. No. <laughs> Thank you, listener. I needed to hear that. 
tough love hurts listeners. Sometimes you got to just rip the bandaid off. Call it like you see it. Let it just like Sherry Ann calls me out. I love that stuff. Sherry Ann, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you hope do you have too. a great weekend. I hope Tampa that's loses coming from the next Tim. 70 that's games. coming from Tim. Yeah, that's good. Tweet us again, everybody. Let us know. We'll read them on the show. This is a new segment. Even if it's a joke. I, I like jokes. I'm a funny guy. All right. Enough is enough. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.